Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, March 5th, 2023. Coming at you live from Floored Media. That's right, back here in Rockville Center with another great show coming up for you tonight. Two great guests coming up. Billy Jaffe of NESN and, of course, the NHL Network. And Adam Proto of the Hockey News will be joining myself, Sean Cuthbert, and Mr. Chris Botta. Chris, it's been a little while. How you been, bud? Been a long time, Sean. How you doing? I feel great. I had a couple of good trips. One business, one uh, family slash pleasure. I hope you're doing well. Great job with the shows the last few weeks. Thank you very much, sir. And before we dive into this one, I want to remind you all that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. And, of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Also proud to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Located at 63A 2nd Street. In Mineola, and of course, Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. More about them later on. So, Mr. Chris Botta. Fun. The trade deadline is coming gone. Fun, fun, fun. A lot of deals being made. The New York Rangers, uh, the worst kept secret, I think, in the NHL, getting <laughs> Patrick Kane finally before the deadline. Devils get Timo Meyer, and of course, the Islanders make more of a, I suppose, minor move. We'll see how it pans out for them, but they bring in Pierre Engvall. From the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's uh, already slotted into the first line, gotten a shot up there. And uh, we'll see how that pans out. But did the Islanders do enough to address their needs at the trade deadline? I think they did what they can, what they could have. I, I didn't expect that they were going to make a, a major move. It was asked that all week. They just, there comes a point where you're out of chips, too, right? I right. think they were, I think they would have, I, I think it's a, pretty it's been secretive in a way that they were always interested in chicken but mm. in the end even though they wind up arizona wind up not getting as much as everybody thought i mean i think sorry can we say this thank god the guy was finally traded <laughs> i was sure. tired of hearing about it um okay. good luck in ottawa i think he's a good player i think he showed that the other night in the garden but the islanders just they were out of draft picks right yeah. if you were to look at and see um what ottawa gave up for chicken uh the islanders couldn't even do that they would mm. just be completely tapped out so um would have liked maybe another puck moving defense. And as we talked mm -hmm. about before with the ghost, but mm -hmm. they seem very happy with Ajo. Uh, Pierre Engvall, you know, we could say it's a minor move and it's one of those moves that was an, Oh, by the way, right. When they did right. the rundown of the moves, right. but in somewhat typical Islander fashion, Lamorello era, Garth era, any era, he winds up on the first line in, the, in, his, <laughs> right. in, the, in his first game back. So yeah. can you call it a minor move? Um, right, they fair. took on a contract. They took on a player who has some pedigree as a 30, 35-point score. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't think they were going to do anything in those 24 hours before the deadline, and for the most part, they didn't, and that's okay. Um, they Their big move, the guy they identified from the beginning, mm -hmm. was Horvat and Already, not just the future, but uh, the you know in quick history, it's been proven to be the right move. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we were going to be picky, you brought it up yourself already, maybe a puck movie defenseman, maybe just another defenseman, a defenseman who even could be a stay-at-homer, 
to kind of solidify things back there. You know, a lot of concerns have been raised here on the show, whether it's myself, you, or Stefan, talking about maybe that sixth spot rotating between Sebastian Ajo and Samuel Balduk. And obviously right now it's Ajo's position to lose at this point. But Lou Lamarillo decided, or at least at the end of the day, even if he made an attempt, this is this is the team that they're going with now. Another positive to that, and, and to, or to talk about the offensive defenseman, mm. my guess is when they would go to Lane Lambert and Lou and everybody else, mm. and like, here's the name, it's Ghost, it's somebody else, it would be like, okay, but am I going to play him every night? Because if I'm not going to play him every night, it's not worth a second-round pick sure. or a third-round pick. Right. I think Ghost went for a third, I want to say. So um, there's that. The other thing that I consider a positive for the Islanders, and I don't want to give them too much credit. I don't want to give Mr. <laughs> Lamorello too much credit for thinking. Sure. Because let's remember, this is the man who is often praised. It's often pointed out that he says, when you have time, use it. Mm. Well, he made his big move with time to go. I'm seeing a lot of these teams, Rangers being an obvious example, Toronto, and they've had good seasons. Boston, although it hasn't, nothing seems to stop Boston from losing. We can talk to Billy about that in 10 minutes. Um, but a lot of these teams made some pretty radical changes. Yeah. Like, I, could, I can't keep track. Right. I'm still putting on games saying, oh, yeah, he's there now. I, mean, right. I admit to that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you sure. wonder... 60, 62, 65 games into a season, is that the way to go? Because you're giving yourselves a runway of 17 games to mesh everybody mm -hmm. in. You know, we're already seeing, oh, Kane, you know, seems to be trying too hard with Panera <laughs> and they're not. I mean, yes, that's a very a evil shame. laugh, right? Uh, you didn't even mean it to come out that way and it came out evil. Um, you know, I think it, on the other, another thing about that is I think Ranger fans are nervous now because it, it's like, I always point out the year a long time ago when Anaheim mm -hmm. got Solani in Korea and everybody said everybody else is playing for the cup. Well, things get a little harder when those big names start showing up on the board. And they say, you've got Tarasenko, and now you've got Kane, and you're still not winning every night? You know, it gets right. a little harder to play the game, which is why I think it would be a lot of fun if the Islanders wound up playing them. So just just going back to my original point, mm. they got in Horvat. He's been there a month, more than a month, more like five weeks now, and he's fit in, and he feels like he's been there all season. They're missing Barzal right now, but I think there's something to be said for getting your moves, your major moves done earlier and giving your time, your team more time to marinate. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris, and I, and I saw you throw out there on Twitter talking about the uh, the trade deadline grades and whatnot. What would you give the New York Islanders, with all-encompassing, with Bo, even going back to Bo Horvat? How'd they do with their well, trades? I mean, I give him an A because yeah. I, you know, I Pierre Engvall is a try, right? That's mm -hmm. that's the the GM. There's no downside either. He looks like a genius if Engvall can find a, <laughs> right. another level. And worse comes to worse, you know, they'll use these next few weeks to determine whether they want to extend him or not, whether they want to qualify him, whether he's worth that. I don't know, but they have a little time to decide that. If he doesn't work out, people are he he will be easily forgotten i don't mean that in a mean way i sure. just mean the move will be easily forgotten if he works out it'll be like wow he really got a steal but i judge him just on the horvat trade i liked it when it happened i like it even more now you yeah chris i'm with you look i mean i don't think horvat could have fit in any better than he has already 
And he did when Barzell was still healthy in those first couple of games that he got in with him. And then even after him going down and with Lambert having to shift the lines around a little bit, bringing up Anders Lee and kind of figuring out who was going to be on the other side there. But even Lee and Horvat have developed some chemistry together. So maybe we'll see Barzell with the two of them if and when he comes back. Supposedly he will. And so, so far, I think that's an out-of-the-park move for, for Lou Lamarill and the Islanders. Regardless of what Atu Ratu and, and Anthony Bavillier do over in Vancouver and whatever that first-round pick ends up being, Bo Horvat was what the Islanders needed, and he's working out well. And he's here long-term. He signs the, the eight-year extension. I mean, what more can he ask for? So, Sean Cuthbert, how do you see the playoff race right now? How many teams going for how many spots? Well, I think that Detroit is now on the outside. I think Washington's fading out, too, with the, ma- the moves that they made. I think Ottawa's in the mix now with the way they've been playing a little bit. And uh, obviously the, the move that you just mentioned, I think Ottawa's going to be a player here. I think Ottawa, Buffalo, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are the teams that they're going to have to be most concerned about. The Florida Panthers are still there, too. So maybe it's like, what, a 4-5 or five team race for two spots. Uh, I know that some people like to look at the points percentage uh, to kind of get a gauge on really where the teams are at because of how the, the game is played or all disparate. So there's two teams ahead of the Islanders right now in points percentage, and that's the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Buffalo Sabres. But the Sabres are only ahead by .003. So even with those games in hand, they're a little closer than you might think. So Tuesday is a huge game. We'll get into that on what's on tap. But I like the Islanders' chances. They're in the first wild card spot. Now, that's going to change. If I, if I had to use a crystal ball and project ahead, if, if and when they get in, which I think they will, it's going to be that second wild card because I would think that Pittsburgh will probably, with the when they make up those games in hand, they'll probably end up ahead of the Islanders, but there's no guarantee there either. Okay. Right now, just on this date, I'll still say it's six teams going for two spots. By the way, I'm aware that there's not a big gap before you come across the Rangers. I'm going to go on the assumption that they will eventually figure it out, all yeah. the stars, and that they'll be good enough to, to, to get that mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. So uh, Detroit, especially if they lose tonight, and if you want, we could do a live ceremony where, <laughs> where they're losing 2-1 early third in Philadelphia. If they lose that game, yeah. think about it. By the way, Pittsburgh losing both of those games to the Islanders in regulation. Uh-huh. Do you know what the standings would look like? I think they'd be like something like thirty six points ahead of the Islanders if they just <laughs> right. if they just won those games, right? Uh, with five games in hand, and There's then Tampa like gives that. the Islanders no help whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, no, and Tampa's got their own problems too. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they fade. But right now, I'll still go for six. The reason why I say Washington is mm. I just mentioned this before. Sometimes when these teams appear to give up their GMs give up on their teams Mm -hmm. and the the guys go away. The remaining guys pressure off fun. Let's Mm -hmm. stick it to Mm -hmm. the GM. Sure. You know, let's, uh, um, I I just, I can't rule out an Ovechkin team. They still have some talent there. Um, Florida, they, they, I mean, the Islanders are fortunate that Florida has underachieved this year. And I believe they have underachieved this year. I still feel, and I'll probably say this through 82 games that they're the team most capable of running off eight in a row. You know, they just, they, they, there's, there's still some talent there, but that said, I'm not optimistic for them. I agree with you on Buffalo. Uh, I'm going to resist talking about Buffalo until the look ahead because it's an important point to make there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still, you know, Pittsburgh, they've made the moves. They've started to play a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one of those teams that made a bunch of moves, and I wonder about them all coming together. So uh, there's, I'm still going to call it to six teams minus Detroit for now, okay. going for two spots. 
know about the games in hand, but we'll have a pretty good picture on that. I know that we say this every week, but next <laughs> yes. week, next week we're going to have a little bit of a better picture on that. Yeah, there's there's no question about it, and it it's just fun, right? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be great to watch from here until the end, right? A nice like five six team horse race down to the very end, and, and you have some big, big games coming up that are going to have huge impacts on, on where this whole thing's going to go. It's amazing to think, you know, you do this show every Sunday, give or take a, a Lost Farmer Brewing live show or a curveball. <laughs> We've been here from the beginning with the fans. Thank you to the fans. We've said that we believe that this is a playoff team, that it mm-hmm. would be a roller coaster. It's kind of been like what we expected in a lot of ways. Horvat, I mean, it's really just, it's amazing to sit here in early March. We'll only a few weeks left and to see they're kind of right where we thought they might Mm. be took a secure circuitous route to get there but this is fun this is the play-in round as i mentioned on (laughs) twitter yeah like i mean this is great it doesn't always work out this way and it's gonna they're gonna be some moments but right now the islanders are one of the sharper teams for one and one even with barzal out so there's a lot of things to look forward to and this is going to be an exciting week no question about it and there's more things to look forward to here at Hockey Night New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY because Mr. Billy Jaffe of NESN and the NHL Network is going to join us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. And welcome back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Chris Botta. And we're really glad to be joined by the great analyst for Nesson, NHL Network, and the top podcast, top five, ten consistently in America, Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor, Andrew Raycroft. How are you, Billy? It's Billy Jaffe. How are you, Billy? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Did you have a day of, of youth hockey today, my friend? Today was just one game, but it's been a mega weekend of youth hockey. The voice is a little shot. That's why I um, yeah, the the I'm still wearing the colors, proud colors, Boston Junior Eagles. Uh, we had a first round, first weekend bots of our playoffs, and um, to say it's uh, intense is a little true, <laughs> and um, a lot of fun. Now went three and zero this weekend, and in the semifinals now next weekend. Uh, congratulations, and I'm sure you are always kind to the referees. Correct. Actually, I am good to the. <laughs> yes, I am good to. The I know rest. it could get not, pretty intense over there. <laughs> I'm not so good to my players, um, but uh, I love the referees. Having been one, you know, and uh, we need more of them. So no, it's listen. All kidding aside, um, it's been an amazing experience, Chris, coaching this team. <coughs> Excuse me, <laughs> and these kids, 
and these people. It's been uh, it's been awesome, and um, they're working their butts off, and it's a fun, real just fun experience. I'm glad to hear it. I honestly don't know how you and Raycroft do it a podcast a couple of times a week when the darn team wins all the time. <laughs> Sean and I sit here, we run this roller coaster of a season. Oh, they look pretty good under Lambert. Oh God, no, they're not any good. Fire Lou. Oh, they got, I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. So I'm ha Thank you for, for joining us here. Uh, I was wondering your take on the back end of the Eastern conference. We think it's about six teams, maybe seven with Detroit. If they find a way to win tonight, going for two spots and where the Islanders fit in there, the Islanders performance in Boston a week or so ago, notwithstanding, uh, how do you think the Islanders look in that, in that race? I've said, and I have to look at it like twice a day to, cause you know, the, everything's so close to remind who's in what spot. Yeah. I know that the Isles are up, but the Isles have played more games yeah. than everybody else. But I said to Razor the other day, you know, rhetorically asking whatever, who's got the best goalie of the group? And it's Sorokin, right? I think, I don't know if it takes a hockey analyst to figure that out, just looking at it. But the the question or concern, of course, that, look, I mean, you guys know infinitely more about the Isles than I do. I'm not going to, you know, but is their consistency, consistent offense, and also just, you know, where, where are they with, with the Barzell thing where like, I look at this team and I'm like, they're going to be better. They're going to be good. They're going to be. And then they're not. And then they come through, I guess it's to your point, Chris, yeah. like you one day they're great. And the next day they're not. And that, that is a, a concern. I think heading down the stretch, like I haven't seen signs of they're going to be fine with all that said, I can't tell you that I have seen that of any of the other teams in that group. Um, saw Buffalo the other day. I know they beat Tampa last night. We saw Buffalo in Boston. And notwithstanding that the Bruins are the Bruins right now, I'm just saying you thought they would come in with so much hunger, so much PNV, and they came in tepid, lukewarm at best, right? And and you're like, you're they're, you know, yes, they're missing Tuck, and yes, they're missing Darlene. But if I still expected, I guess, literally more fight in them. And, and it was two, you know, two nothing. And in the third, it was nothing. They got throttled seven one. Ottawa's interesting to me. You know what? I kind of feel like Ottawa's with house money right now. I do. Even though they said, yeah, we want to be competitive. And good. I, I, you know what? This team, I feel like they got house money. I think that they have been, I, I'm a huge fan of Brady Kachuk. I think he gives them attitude that a lot of those lower teams in the wild card, Chris, don't have, like, meaning that swagger that youthful bliss and and i think that he's got it and i'd like the chicken ad if anything you know what i think that does i think that gives him a ginormous shot of we believe in you and we went out and do did something like that and and you know we haven't done a lot of that in the past yeah we had an interesting off season but now we all of a sudden nobody was talking about ottawa getting chicken and here he's there so i i mean i think it gives him a lot when it's all said and done i don't believe in florida i just i just don't Detroit is nice. Derek Lalonde's done a nice job there. I don't think that, uh, look, Tyler Bertuzzi being traded to Boston, I think will be a, a tough ask for them to, without them, or making it without them. Pitt, to me, that's the only team. I, I think it's New York and Ottawa, and then I, I just, I Pitt, I can't figure out, mm -hmm. and I didn't I didn't really love what they did there in the, in the uh, trade deadline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Billy, how you doing? Sean here. Uh, I agree Hi, with Sean. you. Good to have you on. 
Um, yeah, I was a little unsure about what Pittsburgh was doing as well, but just looking at the broad scope, you now obviously a lot of players changed, changed teams here at the deadline. Did any teams for you kind of stand out as winners and perhaps losers here at the deadline that kind of gave themselves a, a little bit of a boost heading into the stretch run before we get to the playoffs? Well, winners, I'd say Boston, and it's not because I do all their games. <laughs> But holy, am I allowed to say bad words on here? Or sure, no? yeah. go for well, it. I noticed oh. you said P and V. Can you not say piss and vinegar on this? <laughs> well, I didn't know. I mean, I was going to say, holy shit. I mean, if you look at what they did. You can say whatever adding, you want. There you go. Orlov and Hathaway. I'm at my I'm at my best uh, when I say whatever I want. I usually get in trouble, but that's okay. I really <laughs> like what they did. And it's not because, you know, I'm, I, you know, one of my employers is, is is Nesson, which they, they lose like games. once every six weeks. It's okay that you can, you can compliment. <laughs> no, them. but what I'm <laughs> saying, I love what they did at the deadline. I did. I, I, I loved how they addressed what, what are their are potential weakness and maybe more importantly, perceived weakness. And now because their perception of the Bruins in the last couple of years, and the Islanders actually, because it was true three, uh, two, three years ago, throttled the bees in that playoff series. That, I think, is what has gotten the Bruins to this point. I really think that, guys, because meaning to bring in Orlov, to bring in Hathaway, to bring in Bertuzzi. Yes, they had the injuries to Hall and Felino, but to bring in those guys that are hard to play against, you know, that is what they needed more of, and they did that. And Orlov, you know, the joke here is he's playing like Bobby Orlov yeah. with two R's, and um, right now it, he's he's not going to keep up the off, offensive end of things. But on the other hand, he is so he's such a good D. He didn't really get that as much credit in Wash. He's going to get it here right now, especially if they can lead the help lead the Bruins to new heights. So I, I really like what they did there. Um, I do like the Timo Meyer acquisition in New Jersey. Uh, I, I again I think of it as a we got one of the biggest fish out there, guys. That's how much we think of this team. I'm very impressed with what they've done on the road. I'm fully admitting, hand in the air. I wasn't really buying them for a long time. I can't tell you I'd put money on them, but I really like what they've done, and I think they're going to be a tough out in the first round. After that, we'll see. Um, those are the teams I thought that did real well. I think that in, 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 in the East, I mean, there's other teams too. Everybody loaded. I mean, I actually think Toronto did well, except my question is guys, did they do too much? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, 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 and that's going to be, I guess time will tell. I mean, I, I think that this is a team that was so searching for an identity, right. And, and they thought, you know, Kyle Dubas said, oh, we got our goalie and Matt Murray, he's going to help us. And then that's not happened. And then they get Samson off the play well. Okay, not bad. And then all of a sudden, guys started doing less is more. And they started playing better team defense. And they started winning. But then all of a sudden, boom, they blow it up. I mean, I think you could have left it at O'Reilly, Achari, who, by the way, I think is a very good under-the-radar ad. And I think you could have left it at Shen. Mm -hmm. I do. Or maybe just Jake McCabe. I don't know. It seems like an awful lot there. This is an obvious comment. We'll we'll figure it all out in six weeks, right? One of us will be smart, and the rest of us will be dummy analysts, right? But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I just wonder if they did too much. And out west, um, I mean, I actually like you know, L.A. taking a chance on those guys. I do on the on Corpusalo and Gavrikov. I I think they're a good team. I don't know if they're great. Edmonton and Ekholm, I liked it. I still am not buying that team with that goaltending, though. Mm. 
Billy, that's fair. And, you know, you, you brought up Boston, and, and they make these ads to show up what already looks like a, you know, obviously a juggernaut here this year, breaking records in the NHL, quickest to 100 points. And, and you know, those teams you talked about before in that wild card race, you know, that Boston's probably going to be the team that, you know, maybe the Islanders yeah. are one of these teams are going to have to worry about. So no better to have you on now for a little pre-scouting report. What has made this Boston Bruins team so good this year I mean they bring in the new coach in Montgomery what's had that team just rattling off all these wins especially because I think going into this season not everybody was was that high on Boston now you see them kind of proving the world wrong and and they're at the top yeah um it's a it's a multi-leveled multi-layered answer but the first thing is depth and it's you could how do you want to look at depth well look at I mean the Bruins have it in spades they're, they get Krejci back. So now everybody gets slotted into the right center spots. That's one depth. You get a healthy Nick Foligno. You get a healthy, um, you know, Frederick had some injuries last year. You had a few D-men get injuries. You get all the, uh, uh, Lindholm was injured last year after he came over. You get these guys healthy. And, you know, we, we knew that Hampus Lindholm was good. We did. We knew he was good. We didn't know how good. He's not a two. He's a one B. He is. If he was with the Islanders, he'd be a one B there. You know, with he's got Charlie McAvoy one A, Ampus one B, and the two of them toggle back and forth sometimes. Who's going to take that mantle for the night? And to be able to have one of those two guys on the ice for about you know forty eight of sixty minutes is pretty freaking good, right? And now you got Orlov who's playing twenty two minutes a night. So in theory, you could have one of those three on the ice every second of a game now. Not bad, right? So depth, goaltending depth. Swayman, yes, a little struggle-ish early on. Had to get right. It was hurt a little too. But Linus comes here after a full year as a Bruin. People forget that Linus got pretty good down the stretch because in the playoffs, it wasn't as copacetic as, you know, he was started out and it was up and down. But he came in there after a full off season of comfort and and just a, a man on, it's not even a mission. It is, he is so in control of the game every time he's on the ice this year that it trans, like you can feel it, like watching even from the broadcast booth. You can feel that he's just in control. I, I'm no BS. He's given up one goal this year, excuse me, one goal where we have said, What's the cliche? He'd like to have that one back, <laughs> which is a fine way of saying that was a crappy goal, which is, you know, one time and it was a few weeks ago and that was it. So depth, depth has been the biggest thing. Throw in Jim Montgomery and his different way of communicating with the team. And you have got an absolute like like storybook season happening so far. Two last ones for you, Billy. Uh, Bo Horvat, we thought he was a good acquisition at the time. Price was fair. Uh, what do you think he means to the Islanders? And did you like the move? I did. Yeah, I, I like the move. I do. I, I'm, I'm a big Bo Horvat fan. You know, is he going to regularly be a 40 plus goal scorer? In the, I, I don't know. Uh, but he's trending that way. Um, I thought the deal was fair. Uh, you know, I, you know, in fact, I thought at first, maybe the Islanders didn't give up that much that they made out more Again, completely, you know, not knowing Atu Ratu. I hope I said that completely right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, I, I respect that, but you know, Van got what they felt they needed. Beauvillier, nice player, et cetera but they get their other assets. And for the, and, and for the Islanders, I think it gets them back to that. All right. Now we're really strong down the middle. I mean, I don't, again, I don't need to tell you guys, but losing Barzell at, in that Boston game is just a killer. You know, I mean, you know, you, you think that he's going to rocket ship 
up and, and take off with the combination with Bo. And then it doesn't happen. And and, and does that stunt Bo? No, it just, it, it almost makes him more important. If you think about it, at least oh, yeah. they got Bo in there and then they can help out. I, I like all the facets of his game. I love his leadership ability. Um, and I listen, man. I mean, how often like, we saw it actually with Hampus Lindholm bots where he signed a contract, you know, days after getting traded or without ever having been here. It's a gutsy thing to do, but obviously Bo is very, you know, satisfied with what he heard of and what he knew of the Island and rightfully so it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful place to play. I, I think it's a good addition. And I just keep wondering, is it, is it enough to get him into the play? I, I thought maybe it could be, but now without Barzell and everything, I, I just wonder, I just wonder if it is. But assuming Barzell comes back because the team is saying week to week, and there seems to be some optimism about a return eventually. Uh, and we believe I, everything teams say. To of us. course, especially the <laughs> PR department. Of course I do. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I really liked what you said, and I could see the athletic doing a feature on this about how the Islanders defeating Boston was kind of like this uh, game changer for them and forced them to make moves. So I'm not going to ask for a preview or a prediction, <laughs> but what do you think of the idea of an Islanders-Boston series this year? In a way, it might be a, a perfect way for Boston to uh, just one more time show they're for real by beating the team that beat them. Um, I Listen, you got Sorokin and Net there, and it's cliche, but it's true. You get a great goalie, anything can happen. Um, I think the Bruins' depth is better. I think the Bruins, Chris, have pr- tried to forge I think they've been able to forge an identity that the, that the Islanders had, you know, similarly a couple of years ago, and they don't have as much right now. Um, and I think the depth of the Bruins, both on the front end and the back end would be the difference. I do. They would be able to roll, you know, the, the four and three, the four lines in the three pair. And, um, you know, I think if you look at Charlie Coy, if, if you're playing, if you're third line, and I don't, Felino's not coming back for a long time. I hope he can come back at some point, but um, he's playing so well. Hall's the question mark. But so let's assume Bertuzzi, Charlie Coyle, and Trent Frederick is your third line. That's going to be a tough match for the Isles. It, 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 anybody, forget the Isles. That's going to be a tough match, assuming assuming that you're matching a certain line against the Bergeron line. But wait a second. Let's not forget David Pasternak with the checkmates and Krejci and Zaka. I just think when it's all said and done, that, that third line matchup, would be significant. Whatever that third line ends up being for the Isles, you know what I mean? Whoever they wanted to match with it, it's a, it's a tough match, especially with deep pair, especially with a, a deep pair. Well, Billy, uh, I'm hoping that it comes to fruition and we see a little Bruins Islanders in the first round, but either way, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Really appreciate your time. Uh, loved your work with Howie Rose when you're back in the broadcast here on Long Island, and uh, it's still great to be able to watch on NHL Network, so thanks a lot, and uh, hope to have you on down the, uh, down the road. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Fun show. And uh, to see Chris Botta and, uh, and to have him give digs at the PR department is like a dream come true. You know? <laughs> Thanks, Billy. I appreciate Not it. Not at the Islanders PR department. I'm saying at a PR department, <laughs> yes. I'm saying. Congrats uh, to your team and the family and everybody, okay? Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you got it. Anytime, guys. See you Thanks, later. Dude. Thanks a lot, Billy. Bye. Take care. All right, folks. That was the great Billy Jaffe of Nesson and the NHL network and his fantastic podcast like you were talking about. Yeah. One of the best. Yeah. I learned so much, uh, 
riding on planes with him, talking to him before games, after games. A lot of the things that you might hear me say about back-to-backs and who has an advantage when and different things like that, a lot of it is from experience that he had and also from him talking to people for years preparing for these broadcasts. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Chris, uh, you want to say a little something about Main Street Board Game Cafe before we break for Adam? Yeah, that sounds good. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. They have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember looking for meetups to join our magic the gathering dungeons and dragons or game night live communities are welcoming for all we also do parties and corporate events located at 307 main street in huntington village go go to main st board game cafe.com for more information main street board game cafe find your crowd unplug your game Excellent stuff, Chris. I actually had the pleasure of stopping in over there within the oh, last good. week or two. Great place, Matt huh? Neal, great place. It was packed. All the all the tables were full. I it can't was, even call it a niche. Like it, like he found a, something there, and it's special. And I wish we had one in town here. Yeah, in town. hopefully uh, down the road. But uh, great stuff over there. The food was excellent. So definitely stop on down to Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. So we're gonna take one more break here. We're spoiled with the guests we have on on the show tonight. Adam Proto of the Hockey News is gonna join us. We're gonna take that break. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. And we are back. It's Chris Botta with Sean Cuthbert. Really glad to be joined by one of the great talents and real gentlemen in hockey media and cultural media and everything else with the hockey news, with Full Press NHL, and also his own uh, Substack, Prototype at Substack.com, a great writer, uh, and that's our friend Adam Proto. How are you, Adam? I'm great, Chris. How about you? I'm doing great, thanks. You know why, one so of the nice reasons why I wanted to have you on And that's two words. I'm going to ask you to run with it and tell us anything that you think that you know about him from your time with the Leafs, covering the Leafs, because the Islanders acquired him. And a lot of the people here, including myself, I'll speak for myself, don't know much about him. Pierre Engvall. What are the Islanders getting? Well, uh, Chris, I think they're getting a guy that is, you know, probably still has room to grow his game. I mean, 
Uh, we watched them over the years here in Toronto kind of blossom through the, the American League system and up through the up through the rankings to the NHL stage. And, and you know, he's looked really good at times. I mean, the thing about Pierre, I think uh, everybody would tell you, great guy in the dressing room, great uh, team guy. Uh, you know, the Leafs were, were, didn't want to see him go really. So it's, I think, a compliment to his character. Um, but he's not somebody that has, I think, what a lot of hockey people would see as a killer instinct out in the ice. I think he he's a big body, big frame. He was the biggest player on the Leafs, I think, at 6'5". And, um, you know, and, and was smooth. I mean, swift. They, they, you know, they called him Seabiscuit or Biscuit for Seabiscuit the racehorse, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was what stood out for them. And I think what stood out for people, too, was he does have the ability to – to c- contribute offense, I think, but where it started to go wrong with him with the Leafs was that a he, you know his contract is going to be due next season uh, as an unrestricted free agent, and you know the Leafs really don't have the uh, the structure right now where they can afford a bunch of guys who would be making three or four million dollars a year. That's probably where you know Pierre Engvall's salary will be next year, I would imagine. And so I think at that stage they made the move to uh, to get him out, and you know recoup draft pick back i think that was a a pretty good move for both sides to be honest um and you know now angval will get on long island the opportunity to to be that 25 20 to 25 goal scorer consistently every year and people think he has the you know the 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 wherewithal to do it in terms of his skill set but i think people wonder where you know where that edge is i think people that are looking for a big guy to play up to his size i think people would probably say Pierre doesn't really play up to his size and, and he can kind of get a little lost in the mix out there at times, but he does have talent. He is, you know, he is going to help the Islanders for sure. And, and he's a super nice guy as well, you know, guys. So I, I know in working with teams, you, you know, it's, you don't necessarily cheer for teams per se, you cheer for people. And I think a guy like Pierre, uh, or Pierre Engvall is a guy that you, you cheer for as for as a person. Really well said. Do you see him as a Lou Lamorello player? And it's possible that Lou said, yeah, I want him. And that Toronto knew this was the team to go and get a third round pick for. Yeah, I do think so. I think, I think Lou, you know, in his time with the organization had a, you know, he he knew what the the covered base was in terms of assets and and long-term assets. And, and sometimes, you know, he'll, he, he'll, push the needle as we all know guys he'll he'll be bold and he, and he certainly did that with Bill Horvat but other times I think he just lets lets the drama of the you know the trade deadline play out and find his own pressure points where he wants to move uh, and so when he saw the chance to get a young player to you know not take anybody else off the roster to acquire him uh, and then be in a position to offer him you know a raise stick around if if you know if things go well in the next six weeks and in the playoffs um, you know, I, I can see Pierre Engvall being a, a part of that team for the long term, for sure. It's just, you know, teams are have to going to ask themselves, is the 15 to 20 goal score what we're getting, or is it the 20 to maybe 30 goal score that we think he could be? Um, and I'm not sure that, you know, a, a huge long-term contract would apply. Uh, is, in my guess, I would think they would get somewhere in the area of maybe a three, two-year deal kind of keep, you know, keep him in that kind of mid to low tier of, of the NHL pecking order um, and keep him, you know, still up and near the 
top six, maybe top nine forwards, but give him some chances, uh, allow him maybe to, you know, to work with the Islanders and kind of develop that killer instinct. I just don't know that you can expect it because everybody has been expecting it in, in Toronto and it just ultimately wasn't there. Hey, Adam, Sean here. Yeah, I actually wanted to key right in on that. You talk about the fact that he, he may have some more room to grow, and you look at how top-heavy that Toronto Maple Leafs team is and all the talent that they have. And was it a situation where maybe, you know, given all those guys, the Tavares's, the Matthews of the world, just didn't afford Engvall the chance to maybe play in a, in a higher role on that team to, to even afford him the chance to show whether or not he has that 20-25 uh, goal scoring potential? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great point, Sean. I think, you know, the, the Leafs commitment to the, those core four players, you know, basically guarantees, you know, the, the top line and then another one. And then you add in another guy like Ryan O'Reilly to the mix. Um, you know, you, you see a guy like Michael Bunting have a lot of success. Um, at, at that point, it, it does become a money squeeze because um, when you do go all in on, on your, your key core talent, you, you have to, make that up somehow in, in, you know, paying guys average or below average salaries, guys on one-year deals. Um, you think of the guys that have been through here lately. I mean, Jason Spezza was here for a while. Uh, Wayne Simmons is still technically with the organizational. He's not playing. He's, his last days have already been played. But, you know, you can, you can see, you know, how, how guys kind of get put in the system to churn in and, in and around the big players. And if they don't do, you know, at least what the team – has for a bare minimum, then, you know, they leave themselves open for discussion. And I was a little bit surprised that the deadline guys that um, a guy like Alex Kerfoot, I mean, he's had a pretty miserable year, uh, but he, he's not a bad player. I just don't know that his salary, uh, three and a half million was, was, you know, what was what he should have gotten given, you know, his, his low output uh, on offense. And, you know, I think, they all kind of squeezed each other at the top in terms of the, the wing position. Um, we always knew what the forwards were going to be for the most part. And so, yeah, guys like Engvall got squeezed. Uh, you know, they've, they've got some Marlies that came up and down. Joey Anderson, who was just traded to uh, Chicago uh, in the, in the Sam Lafferty, uh, Jake McCabe trade. Um, he, he was there. So I think, you know, you just have to see uh, what they do with, with, their entire lineup, but but specifically what it, it is in terms of surrounding those core four players with talents. Did Engvall get any uh, time on the special teams with the Leafs at all? Maybe, you know, I look at it, and like Chris, not knowing a lot about him before he came over, you look at his speed. Is he a kind of guy that maybe they use on the PK that could be a little bit of a pest with that speed that he has, or, he, or was he more primarily a five-on-five guy? No, no, I think he, he definitely was a penalty killer. He, I think, believe he was on the second unit here. And, and, you know, I think he had worked hard at, you know, playing, being a smart type of guy. For the most part, he does make good decisions with the puck. Um, he is a, a very good forechecker. Um, he just isn't always able to finish uh, on the goal scoring end. So I know that's what a lot of fans, you know, gravitate to in terms of a player's worth. But, you know, I should say, Sean, you, you, you want somebody there that can that can come in, especially in the playoffs when just you, you want to be, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, responsible enough not to take any penalties. Uh, and those are the type of guys I think that, you know, Engvall is. I don't think he's going to take a dumb penalty. I don't think he's going to take, you know, a reaction penalty. He's a pretty low, uh, low energy guy. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean he doesn't 
you know, get Darcy Tucker bug out eyes and, and uh, you know, start going crazy after people. You're never going to get that type of on your sleeve pack, you know, uh, aggressiveness from him, from Pierre. He's just not that type of guy. Last one for, uh, from us, but it's a big one, Adam. Can you okay. help us try? I So Detroit has just lost in Philadelphia after losing yesterday to the Islanders. So I'm taking them out of the equation. You're out, Detroit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so that leaves six teams, if you include Washington and I do, for two wild card spots in the East. Crystal yeah. ball, never mind those never pesky mind games in hand. You know, so, so the Islanders <laughs> got a couple of games. All that aside, uh, can you make any sense of where this might be shaking out, my friend? Well, I mean, I, in terms of the wild card race, Chris, yeah. I think you're yeah. looking at, yeah, you're looking at, you know, the teams. It's not only just enough to get into that wild card spot, but you really don't want to get into that second wild card spot, right? The bottom one, because, you know, that's a date with a steamroller named the Boston Bruins in the first round. You'll probably get, a, you know, so Daryl Sutter said that famously about, Colorado last year is like, why do we want to play them? It'll be five games and over, you know? So I, I think in, in my mind, the teams that, uh, that I like, you know, I still think uh, Florida has an outside shot of, of getting, getting it right. Um, my f- team team, I really think is going to do well are, are the Buffalo Sabres guys. They, me, you know, have, have finally got those kind of cornerstone, uh, maybe not generational players necessarily, but maybe so in some of their defensemen and, you know, even with a goal, goal tiny group that isn't going to, you know, win a Vesna, they've been able to, uh, to beat teams that, that a lot of people thought they might not. So I think, you know, I think those Sabres are really going to be one of those two uh, playoff wildcard teams. And after that, I mean, the Islanders for sure, will, I think will be in a fight right down to the bottom bitter end. I think if they didn't, Lou Lamorello would probably fire Lane Lambert on the spot, uh, you know, for, for giving up or waving the white flag. But um, you know, I also think the Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings are, you know, still have uh, sniffing around the periphery, I guess, of the playoffs for me. Um, but really, Ottawa and I think, uh, or sorry, um, who did I just say? Buffalo. Um, you know, to me, they they are really jumping out and, and asserting themselves uh, under their head coach, and uh, uh, I just think they're it's it's finally their time after a long long time of misery in Western New York. And Adam, last one real quick from me, a little bit of fun with this one before we let you go, but uh, is this the year that the Toronto Maple Leafs finally win a playoff round? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is funny around here, Sean, when people are crying their eyes out, they're they're laughing. So I do think the Leafs are in a better position ultimately to, you know, to get out of the first round. I think they anticipate management anticipates and targets that they're going to be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, you know, you know, the, uh, the team you're probably going to take on. And, and I, you know, I look at Tampa Bay and again, never want to count out the Tampa Bay lightning. Right. I mean, they, they've earned the respect, the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I think that the changes that Toronto's made to deepen the team uh, and the inability of, of uh, Julian Breezebaugh, the lightning's GM at, at making real good moves. I, you know, that Geno move, you know, with all those draft picks guys, that was absolutely uh, bananas for that type of player, yeah. but I guess it spoke to the desperation that I think they're they've run out of a lot of their depth so far. So you know, I, I think it's uh, um, oh, excuse me, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, an opportunity for the Leafs to finally step up and you know get themselves 
you know, through those games, not allow Vasilevsky to steal the, the last two and a half games of the playoffs as he did last year. Uh, and once they do, and if they do get past that first round, again, they'll probably have to face the Boston Buzzsaw Bruins, right? It's it's not going to be easy just to get out of that that division. So I, I, I do think if I were guessing a man today, I would bet that the Leafs would lose, win the first round and lose in the second. Fair enough, Adam, and uh, I'm with you. I think uh, guys like O'Reilly and Shen were the right flavor of guys for Toronto to get to finally get out of that first round. But I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate your time, and uh, hope to have you on again soon, and have a great rest of your night. Yeah, guys, just so I'm clear, I am not an apparition. I, I know it might look like it in the in my picture here on the <laughs> in screen, but just bad lighting in my apartment, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. Fair yeah. enough. Thanks yeah, so much thank for you. doing this, Adam. Man, my pleasure, guys. Have a good night. Right, Take care, Bye. Take care. All right. That was Adam Proto of the Hockey News. Great little spot there. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I've been so focused on the Islanders and whether they can make it or not. I haven't really even looked at it, but if Tampa – Unless they can really figure it out. That is interesting that Toronto, I would consider them a favorite in that series, right? And, and, you know. I think they finally brought in the right guys. And maybe, yeah. like Billy Jaffe was saying, maybe two moves too many, a couple yeah. moves too many. But yeah. they finally brought in some guys who have that playoff grit to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can you can throw Tavares and Matthews and Nylander out there, score plenty of goals and stuff like that. But they're not they're not those playoff guys. And I think that's why... Tampa gave up all they did in that deal because the guy they picked up from Nashville, Janot, right? That's how you yeah. pronounce it. He's he's tailor-made for the playoffs, a yeah. guy like him. Yeah. He's a greasy player. He's not scoring as many goals this year as he did last year, but he's the kind of guy who who's going to you know win your battles in, in a tight playoff or a playoff game and probably pot in the odd goal or two here or there. So And to something that Billy Jaffe said, he is right in that anybody trying to get into the eighth spot and that – and. So this idea of having to face Boston. So maybe that did influence Detroit. Like, what are we doing here, right? Mm. Washington is right. a real. Washington has been the anti-Islanders in terms of just being like, we'll start shedding and right. we need to start rebuilding eventually, which is, by the way, is what a lot of Islander fans have asked for, and I yeah. understand that, and the Islanders didn't do. Uh, but Washington has done that, and we'll see if they hang in. They, it, it appears that perhaps Ted Leontis, the owner, has told Brian McLennan, the, the general manager, that that's okay. You have my endorsement to do this. I'm not going to fire everybody. I, I could see Peter maybe getting fired after this year if they don't make it. But um, the one team, though, that is I have no problem with them trying to get into that eighth spot and they would have reason to feel like they had a chance happens to be the team that we do a show about. So, <laughs> so when I, when we talked at, you know, six weeks ago, I guess that was about, mm. no, you, it's kind of the old Herm Edwards, you play to win the games. You don't quit. Now you right. make those moves and they made the Horvat trade. Yeah. I mean, you, you owe it to yourselves in this group to get into that spot. And if it's the second wild card and you play Boston, so be it. Everyone will pick Boston to win in four or five. You hang that on the wall. You put Sorokin in the net and you see what happens and you have fun. And I understand they'd be prohibitive on the dogs. I understand. No, I would not bet on the Islanders probably unless the odds were really, really juicy. Right. But you go in there and you beat them once before a different team, a different era, just three, four years ago. But you know, the Islanders could, would have reason to have some confidence to have a belief system we we don't have to the fans don't have to the critics don't have to but they would have that so if the islanders wound up with the second wild card card spot 
I'll sign up for that right now. Sign me up too. And Let's speaking of those teams that they're vying for these final two wildcard spots for, why don't we start getting into what's on tap? And now it's time for what's on tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, folks. It's time for what's on tap. Starting with Tuesday, huge, huge game. This could end up being one of the biggest games of the season from here on out for the New York Islanders. The Buffalo Sabres come to town, to UBS Arena, and uh, I've said it on the sh- on shows past here, that's one of the teams that I'm kind of worried about as far as being one of the teams that could supplant the Islanders in one of those wild card spots. So you really got to win this game <laughs> against the Buffalo Sabres. So you have that Tuesday. Thursday they go into Pittsburgh to hopefully, you know, at least keep things somewhat neck and neck with them, even with the games in hand. And then Saturday... The Washington Capitals come to town, who may or may not still be in the race. But look, they're still mathematically there. There's still going to be a problem with a guy like Alex Ovechkin on the team. So three huge, huge games coming up for the New York Islanders that are going to have a heavy influence on where they stand in this playoff race. Chris Botta, what do you say? Well, one thing that I want to say is that Buffalo, unfortunately for them, has a game on Monday night at home against Edmonton. So to the folks who rightfully so say boy it stinks the Islanders have all these games in hand Mm -hmm. one of the ways that these teams are going to make up this distance that the Islanders don't have to worry about anymore because they played there 65 or however many it is right is they're they're going to be playing more games and one of those is against Edmonton uh perhaps that's a game Buffalo if Buffalo I guess like all these teams including the Islanders have been impossible to predict lately so nothing would surprise me but it is an advantage a small advantage to the Islanders that Buffalo is coming into this must win game for both teams on Tuesday but having played the night before Pittsburgh I mean they're it have been kind of funny. I mean, those two Islander victories I already mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens there. This is a little bit of a different Pittsburgh team because Ron Hextall threw the roster through the blender a little bit, mm-hmm. made some additions, a little more mobility on the defensive side, but also probably weaker defensively. So there's that. When we look at this um, playoff race, like right now, the trending hot teams besides the Islanders for one and one is is Ottawa. Mm-hmm. and Buffalo. Yep. The advantage that the Islanders have is that most of the Islanders in this Islanders group have been there. Mm-hmm. And those other teams are teams that are there every year they've been, is this going to be the year, especially Buffalo. Ottawa really started once they signed uh, Giroux was, could this be the year they make the leap? History usually proves that those teams don't make that leap yet. Like mm-hmm. I, that it won't be Ottawa's time. But until Ottawa loses a game, you know, I can't say sure, that right now. Yeah. So right now, those are the teams that I fear the most. And I think that's rightfully so. Now, how well do the Islanders have to do this week in order to uh, keep their dreams of making the playoffs alive? Yeah. <laughs> they have to win them all. Um, <laughs> all right. I done. mean, five points. And, okay. you know, I mean, Washington is a game they should win at home. I think they mm-hmm. win a Tuesday Pittsburgh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. But is it me or every time I go on Twitter – Hextall is trending, and no, it's not just Leia. I feel terrible about that. <laughs> it, a lot of it, it's Pittsburgh fans going after Ron, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I always find it a little, a little funny because he never played for them. He played for hated rivals. Yeah. So when things go bad, he's a bright guy. He's a good mm-hmm. person. I, I understand it hasn't worked out well uh, this year for mm-hmm. them, but they the, he is constantly trending, and when you look it up, it's fans talking about that they want to run him out of town. So I can't figure out the Penguins right now. 
to answer your question, no, the Islanders, they have to at least get four of these six points and ideally yeah. five. And, and those are gettable. And I think ideally, if you wanted to nitpick those points, you're taking two against Buffalo and mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Yeah, and we should you, point out even strength. I would cede the two to Washington if you, if you got to be choosy, right? <laughs> yes, even strength. By the way, again, you six weeks ago asked for the Islanders to at least get more games to overtime and shoot out. And <laughs> it's they've about done, bloody time. They've done that. <laughs> they have. Uh, did that Minnesota game. Yeah. <laughs> Noah, I mean, I know we don't really have the time, but that 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 giveaway that Noah Dobson had in that yeah. game, I mean, he he probably cost the team an extra point yeah. in that one. Yeah, because uh, you know, as we know, oh oh for five in the shootout, which is and uh, Lane Lambert's uh, reaction when he was asked about the shootout, he just and it is true, it isn't something you can coach. He said right. the guys have to <laughs> try harder; on, they have to keep on working at it and they right. have to score. He was right irritated, not at the question. Mm-hmm. He was as irritated. Period. Yeah, and I can't blame him. You know, I don't know. It, it, the only way that probably ends is is with Sorokin, you know, stopping say six, and the Islanders eventually getting one. But they've done <laughs> right. that. They've done that right. so far too. It's 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 unfortunate. It it is to to say the least. All right, Ed, let's go right into the hero of the week. That's right, folks. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the hero of the week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Selly featuring grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, and fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero stop on in to the blue line deli and bagels huntington location mention hockey night new york and get half off the celly so chris botta who is your hero of the week the captain anders All lee right. he uh he listen he has his moments his weeks where sometimes i go wow when when they look to move forward in this maybe 2.0 version of this group you know it would would they ever consider moving him uh, with, on a pretty good contract as he gets older. And then he has games. And by the way, I don't mean to say like he's that inconsistent, but he, mm-hmm. he, you know, he has he has plenty of them, enough so that the answer is no, uh, where he, he doesn't so much carry the team on his back offensively, but emotionally. You see he's at the center of a lot of this. Right. And when they need a big goal, it's Brock Nelson, of course, Horvat's mm-hmm. been chipping in and leads every bit a part of it. So uh, every once in a while, I just say, yeah, what's up with Anders Lee? And then he <laughs> has a game and it's just like, Anders Lee plays on my team for the next five, six years. I don't care. Go ahead. There Here's you go. Answer. Two big goals against the Wings yesterday. My hero of the week, I'm going to go back to Zach Parisi. He had the opening goal yesterday against the Wings. Had an assist on Nelson's beautiful goal against the Jets last Saturday. That nice little individual move in front of the in front of the net there. But uh, Parisi makes the chip play on the boards to get Nelson the puck. And look, we've been singing Zach's praises all season long. I mean, pretty much since he's gotten here with the work ethic that he's brought to the team and the leadership and and he's still chugging along, and uh, I went with Zach Parisi. So there you go, Anders Lee, Zach Parisi, your heroes of the week. I'm trying to look up Pierre Engvall's uh, career in the shootout. <laughs> okay. All of a sudden, it hit he might me. go first for all the next a, one. All of a sudden, it hit me like you know maybe that's like something that we. Unfort- he- unfortunately, I can't. Well, is he a guy it. who even gets in there with well, all the names he, that that team has, no, right? He's never <laughs> right, unless it goes to like round five or six, right? Hey, hey, if somebody on the Twitch chat can look up because my eyes aren't that great, plus I try to pretend to listen to Sean when he talks, so I don't like to be rude. So uh, the uh, if somebody could look up on the chat Pierre Engvall's career uh, sh- uh, shootout prowess or lack thereof, that would be great to let us know. 
And Shout speaking of those pe- those of us in the chat there, why don't we go into Questions Brewing? It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Eddie, Jay, how are we doing back there, fellas? I'm doing great. Welcome back yeah, to the studio, That's man. what I was... Uh, it's Jay, how back. you been, man? It's been, it's been a little while. Uh, thumbs up. <laughs> He's good to go. <laughs> the road shows were great at Lost Farmer, yeah. but, uh, you know, there's nothing like keeping Jay company here on Sunday nights. There you go. All you right. Know? So why don't we fire away here? What do we got? Uh, we're going to start off with Mike. Mike says, with Trotz being the new GM in Nashville, do you think he'll do Lewis solid and take Josh Bailey off our hands? <laughs> mm-hmm. After all, Barry loved Josh when he was, when he was here. Uh, I don't know about that question, but it's you know, so, so so much has gone on that like I think I did have them all the way down my list of possible topics. But congratulations to Barry Trotz, new general manager of Nashville. Yeah. That's where his home is. Uh, uh, I'll just repeat what I said on this show two, three months ago, that if I'm the owner of the team or the general manager team, I want Barry Trotz to coach my team. I don't want him to be general manager. Uh, it doesn't mean that he can't make a good general manager, and I'm sure he's going to surround himself with everybody who knows the CBA frontwards and backwards mm-hmm. and will do his contract. You know, that's usually how it works. My only thing is, and I and he's not going to coach too. I'd be stunned by that because I think we've right. seen that um, that that's, that hasn't happened now in a long, long time and mm-hmm. should not. And uh, but I I am happy for him. He he had said even before he took the Islanders job, that that's something he would like to move into. It's a lot of coaches' dreams to be the GM, to be mm. the one doing the firing and hiring <laughs> right. instead of the other way around. Mm. And he achieved his dream. And he earned it. With Nashville, he earned it. As an original guy, as a close confidant of Poyle, it all worked out. So good for him. Uh, could he do business with the Islanders someday? Yes. Will he, t- will he uh, take Bailey off of their hands? I don't see any chance of that happening. What do you got, Ed? I'm with you, Chris. <laughs> next one's from Mr. Tom Boyle. Uh, with the Strangers' recent struggles, could you see the Islanders passing them? Listen, as much as we would all love to see it, I, I let's just focus on getting into the playoffs and hanging on to one of those wild card spots. I mean, they're doing great work without Matt Barzell in the lineup. Uh, they've kind of changed their style a little bit. They're playing a little more tight, you know, a little tighter defensively. And they're, you know, they're kind of getting back to preventing goals. I think we're finally seeing the Adam Pellick we've been waiting for to get back uh, after his injury. And, uh, you know, so far so good with Barzell being out and with all the competition that we just talked about tonight uh, surrounding those those wild card spots. I think that's got to be your main focus. If sure, if the Rangers start to plummet for one reason or another, and they got too many chefs in the kitchen, maybe, and they have all these stars and they're they're not meshing well, and they and they you know go on a little bit of a losing streak here. I'm all for it. Let's let's get out of that base, that last spot, right? Let's avoid Boston until the conference final, right? The, the but, thing the thing about the standings though mm-hmm. is like it, they change can change really quickly, yeah. right? So like right now, like was it seven points? So it, it looks mm-hmm. like oh, that's gettable, right? Right. But if you were to do a what's on tap for the New York Rangers, <laughs> they play at Montreal on mm-hmm. Thursday, and that's a game that they would probably I would expect that they win. Sure. But now. You want to talk about who do you want to root for? Sure. Guess who they got this weekend? Who they got? Buffalo and fucking Pittsburgh. Well, well, well. I guess everybody's going to be uh, so quietly you know rooting mean? Rangers. So, yeah, yeah. Who do you, right? Yeah. And and where this gets difficult and is when all these teams play each other, which we are seeing. Right, the three-point games and yeah. all that. Yeah, which is why the Islanders just got to keep winning and hope the chips fall 
in their favor. And they got a little help over the weekend. I think, what was it, uh, might have even been last night or two nights ago where you had a bunch of those teams in the race playing, you know, playing games, and a lot of them lost. Not everybody, but you got a couple losses here and there. So the Islanders have been getting help. So just keep doing your job, and hopefully they continue to get a little bit of help here, maybe from the Rangers uh, this coming weekend. But, um, yeah, let's just let's just focus on getting to the dance. What do you got? And Zab Onan asks, what has been the catalyst for the Islanders' better play in their end? Well, I think there's always when you when you lose your number one center, your your most explosive player, mm. there is a tendency to be more mindful. Do I think that Lane Lambert and John McLean and Doug Cooter are drawing up, okay, we gotta, you know, really protect the goalies. You know, no, probably not so much mm. with this team, but I do think it's I think they're inspired by let's do this without our guy. Mm. It works it works for short bursts. Probably most famously, correct me if I'm wrong for this franchise, maybe it happened in the in the two, early 2000s as well or late 2000s, but uh, Pierre Turgeon was out of the series and Ray Ferraro and the Islanders beat Pittsburgh, right? Like they, they were able to do that for two weeks. They won four out of seven games. So it is something that happens short term, and, and I do think there's been a little bit of a tightening of the screws and more of a, just a conscientious play toward defense they're still lacking some goal scoring but if there's any theory to it it's that because the goaltending continues to be superb including Mr. Varlamov yeah had a great outing last weekend and Sorokin as you say has been great as well but yeah you look at this past week and the results I mean the most goals they gave up in any of these games was one goal and the defense has helped but you know, a lot of it still stems from the goaltending. But, yeah, they've clamped down a little bit. They've looked better, like I noted before. Pellick's looked a lot better. And I think Lambert made a good move by splitting him and Pullock up and, and spreading out the uh, the wealth, if you will, among the defensemen. And I think you're seeing uh, some better outings there from Romanov. And, look, I mean, I think the, the, the focal point for that defensive group from here on out is going to be Dobson and Ajo, right? And, you know, I think most people are looking at those guys for being most guilty for having some mishaps in the defensive end and coughing up pucks and the turnovers and stuff like that. So as long as that can be minimized, then I think you're going to continue to see more results like this where they're only giving up maybe one to two goals a game because you have a guy like Sorokin back there. When there is a breakdown, he's usually bailing them out. So, so far, so good over this last stretch. And, And hopefully this is something they can keep rolling and roll right into the playoffs with. Trottier19 asks, what happened to Pollock's offense and Dobson's defense? Both have regressed big time. It's so odd. Yeah, we actually, I think it was last week at Lost Farmer we talked about this. Yeah, we did. We joked about Pollock, uh, basically all of his all of his cannon shots kind of going everywhere but the net, right? And look, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's, it's interesting because Pollock has kind of taken a backseat to Dobson as far as being the, the, the number one offensive defenseman on the team, the trigger man. And maybe that's influenced Pollock to be a little more responsible defensively and, and watch out for that side of his game. And, and Dobson's kind of taken over. Um, and then at the same token, Dobson's still a young guy. He's still what, 22, 23 years old. And, and I think it was Brian Compton last week on the show was saying like, it takes a long time for defensemen to develop and especially the defensive side of the game. And, you know, he noted how quickly Taves picked it up. But you remember, he, he started, what was he, 24, 25 already? When, Started later. Yeah, yeah exactly. Coming out of Quinnipiac. Uh, Dobson, he spoiled us by being so sound defensively right. early. Mm-hmm. So if there's been a little bit of a step back, I think that's to be almost expected, but uh, that's not a concern of mine at all. Yeah, I, th- I think ultimately uh, you're going to see uh, Dobson round out his game, and he's going to be a top pair and defenseman for this team for a long time. All right, next question is from DTMR. Why don't goal announcements at UBS 
include the player's goal number, just the name, even for multiple goal mm. games, no second goal of the game, not even a first NHL goal. Is this a Lou thing? Hmm. I never realized that. Yeah, you know, I actually did they notice that. They do it that. everywhere else. I did notice that, uh, yeah, usually here, right, like his 13th goal of the season, so so and so. But, yeah, I did notice that it was just this guy scored the goal, assisted by this guy. Thank you very much. What do you think? I think it is a Lou thing, so I, I can't say I know. Yeah. But nothing like that seems to happen by accident. It doesn't mm-hmm. go on anywhere else. And usually the public address announcers, even to this day, they'll have a sheet and it'll actually mm. say so-and-so, and they might even write in his 37th of the season or whatever. Mm. An example, if if it is so petty that that's a Lamorella thing, and I say <laughs> if, right? right? An example of where that's unfortunate is when you then get to kind of a season milestone like Horvat, a 40th, a 50th, mm. Lee, Nelson. You know, that would be a shame. But... I can't say I know anything about it. I will reach out during the week, maybe see if I can get that answer. And right. and what a, if true, well, if they're not doing it, mm-hmm. if they never do it, and because so, I haven't been as many games as you, mm. then that's just wrong and they should correct it. Mm. And if they're not doing it on purpose because somebody has some principle philosophy why not to do it that's just silly and stupid and i'd be embarrassed <laughs> for them so that's all i can say an On interesting front, question nonetheless yeah great and can question. you you'll confirm you confirm all that i definitely noticed it recently maybe once or twice now granted i am not paying attention to every pa mm-hmm. announced goal you know what i mean but it, it did strike me i said oh it's interesting how he didn't say how many goals he had in the season, like because usually they do. They'll is say, it always been the same voice? The only other thing I could think of is that maybe a sub steps in for a game. You yeah, know, I don't know. a little bit. Doesn't uh, get it. Honestly, right. I'm not really paying attention right. to it, but it is an interesting question, we'll nonetheless. Yeah, uh, this is going back towards the Minnesota game you guys were talking about. Okay, um, so MJ Beckman is talking about we didn't discuss the shootout loss to Minnesota. Would Lou be wise to uh, hire Franz Nielsen as a coach just to teach him his unstoppable backhand roof shot? I'm sure that... I just don't think you could teach it. <laughs> right. That's the thing. That's, That's an it. execution thing. Yeah. yeah, because you could go there and, right, you personally, Sean Cuthbert, could, could go try. there and say, here's what Franz <laughs> Right. But there was just here's something about him doing it. Right. 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 We see this with some of these other guys, too. Like, But only Zuccarello would be a good example. He comes down. He mm. seems to get... The, the, you could tell the goal. He's like, I'm not going to open my legs. I'm not going to open my legs. Uh, Five-hole goal. <laughs> Right, you know, right, right. Like some guys just have that mm-hmm. thing. So, Zuccarello didn't score against the Islanders either, though, so it didn't work for him. But it doesn't work. You know, it's amazing. Even these guys who do it incredibly well, like Frontsu, like they maybe they approach 50%. At this point, five shootouts in, I think it's more luck than anything else at their own five. Now, granted, are there any set to is there an scored. abundance of natural snipers on the team? Not exactly, but like. They still know how to take a breakaway and beat an NHL goaltender. It just it's just not happening. And look, if the Islanders were five and zero, I would still say get rid of the shootout. It's there. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I don't know how much how many eggs you got to put into that basket. But I mean, I guess you have to say if if they had a one, at least two of those shootouts, they'd be looking even 
better right now to, to hang on to one of those spots. If I was going to have, and I'm usually the last person to say, you know, bring in an alumni, bring in. If I was going to have anybody address some of the Islanders, um, most likely to say the shootout and mm-hmm. maybe some goal scoring, the guy who I would, and they, they probably haven't because they draw a line between it and they also want to be respectful to their coaches. Uh, and sometimes I have a little fun with this fella and I, I'm critical, but like I would have Butch Goring come down because Butch mm-hmm. Goring, when it comes to scoring, and we have fun, obviously, when he talks about uh, Top Shelf and all the different things. That he Toy did. Department? Toy Department, thank you. <laughs> uh, he is he is really brilliant when it comes to those kind of things. Like, he mm. knows the game. He's also been playing it for more than six years, been around it. Mm. And so if I was going to maybe even just loosen things up, I'd mm. have Butch Goring come down for a little shootout practice. Okay. He, he's, he has a lot of very strong opinions on how guys get in too deep how you, know, mm. you got to make a move. And uh, I honestly, I'd let him just run it. If only to have fun with it, make for a great broadcast. Sure. Um, and have him, I would just have him go down there for 15 minutes, some practice and, and oversee a, a shootout practice just to loosen the guys up a little bit too, because which uh, would have a lot of fun with it. All right. Ed, uh, another one from Enzab. Why do the Islanders refuse to put in their best shooters on the power play? Although Pollock hasn't scored much, still one of the best shots on the team. Well, that still comes down to it's not just taking the shots in the power play, but, you know, you talk about power play quarterbacks and guys in their positions and running the power play and moving the puck and all that, and it's it's not just, okay, who's got the best shot here? I mean, especially on that, you know, that back position on the defensive side and I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I give the. Islanders I know it's as not much. the point, but didn't Pollock score like a week or two ago? Like I know that's how few there are now. Right. Like he did get one. Yeah. Look. Look. I don't. I can't sit here and, and and say, look, if the Islanders did this, then I can guarantee you they're going to score more goals in the power play. Uh, it hasn't worked as well, and and it started. We we've talked about this too. It got better when Horvat, Horvat short, showed up, and then Barzell got hurt, and it kind of went back mm-hmm. in the tank, right? And it's still you know a little bit of a work in progress. Although they did score a power play goal yesterday. So I think it's gotten a little bit better. Um, look, it's it's going to be scored by committee with this power play because you don't have that Ovechkin, you don't have that Tarasenko, you don't have that guy that you can just, it's a Binajad, to just unload, you know, shot after shot. And they have to work it a little bit differently and, and try to find that, you know, um, getting the goaltender moving, you know, from side to side or whatever it is. I, I do think that they should be shooting more in general. And just ha- when you have guys like Lee and Horvat on this team, they park themselves in front of the net. Let them, you know, pick up the trash in front and just get some dirty, filthy goals. I think that's what they should do. But, again, easier said than done because you have these, you know, professional-grade goaltenders that know how to gobble up pucks, and they're not giving up a lot of rebounds. But. We, we've, we've had uh, so many great guests all season on this show, and, and honestly, a keeper for me was Billy pointing out, which honestly, I hadn't really thought about, but this idea that Boston is using the lessons from learning that losing that Islander series in the moves that they made. And anyway, he wouldn't say that if he didn't think it or know it or feel sure. it or whatever. So that goes a long way. But one of the standouts for me early was when we had Ray Ferraro on after Barzell signed because he knows Barzal mm-hmm. and we talked about the offense and he said, man, he, he said some sort of, he had some sort of analogy to pushing a car uphill when you don't have, you know, enough. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think, it, you know, even though the Islanders scored you know, pretty often early uh, and the defense was enjoined in the play. Remember that back in the early, you know, <laughs> yes, all sir. that stuff. So, uh-huh. but, but now we're here, right? Like it, it, these final 
less than 20 games going to be mm-hmm. a grind mm-hmm. to the finish. It's everything that we thought it would be. The scoring is going to be hard to come by. They have these two incredible goalies. And this is this is where it's going to be fun. But it is going to be a grind the rest of the way out. One of the things that I was saying before, going back to Ottawa, if I'm an Islander fan, of course I'm an Islander fan, I host a fucking podcast and I work for the team. Uh, so I don't know why I would say it. I'm an I love the, the, the inner monologue. Us, us <laughs> we Islander fans, us Islander fans, you want to keep an eye on Ottawa. You want to see Ottawa lose a game or two mm-hmm. in the next couple of days. Sure. Um, because it's possible they're a juggernaut. It, 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 they, we can't rule that out. If they could just slow down, they'll just go back to their place, which is the team that's one more year away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo, I kind of feel that way, but those, that's who I'm looking at right now. But this is going to be a grind. It's going to be fun. Every game, that first game with Horvat, we said is not you can't miss. You can't miss any of these games anymore right. the rest of the way. This is fun. Absolutely. Ed, you got anything else? This is fun, yeah. darn it. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're having fun, Chris. <laughs> I was concerned when Jaffe first came on. He sounded so tired and out of it. I'm like, but then he, he, he sprung explained. up. He sprung up. He was yeah, youth hockey all weekend. I'll do it. Well, we've uh, we've discussed shootout problems and mm. power play problems. Mm-hmm. Some uh, new names in we, the we chat today. Nice love it. There are some new names. Um, why not discuss penalty shots? Why have the Isles been so brutal on penalty shots? Shouldn't oh, shooters have the advantage I mean, most of the time? The same reason why they struggle in the shootout. I, I, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just a different title. Yeah. I mean, we had to, we had to scratch every surface, every reason. All right. What thing, do you got? thing I've always just been fascinated by as a uh, non-knowledgeable hockey person is that somebody having a breakaway in a game is so much different than the yes, shootout. absolutely. And, and, it just, and you know this probably as a player, you could speak to it. I think it, it, one, the guy doesn't have as much time to think. Exactly. And the goalie doesn't have as much time to, to set up. But it is a totally different thing. Uh, 100%. Um, what's his name? Uh, oh, God, who's the guy? Uh, 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 Grabner, uh, who you know, uh, famously yes. you know, he said he'd have 80 goals, right? right. Claude Lapointe back in the day was, yeah. was, was, he had so many breakaways on shootouts and couldn't score. All that said, though, we see guys routinely pot goals on breakaways but not be able to do it in the shootouts. a different animal. No, absolutely. Ed, what else you got? Uh, we're back to shootouts. <laughs> Real. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to have something <laughs> well, else. Is there, is there anything uh, well, else? There's, there's a <laughs> – not really. <laughs> well, wow. there's there's a there's an extra tidbit to this one, which is a good question. Okay. Uh, so this was, you know, why the Islanders suck in shootouts, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lambert doesn't have Brock in his last shootout. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. I mean, that's a good question. Listen, why, why isn't Brock Nelson in Brock Nelson's in my top three every time. Mm-hmm. But... You know, you, you go through as many shootouts as you do, and you don't have success. I mean, I don't blame a guy for shuffling the deck and just seeing what he gets. And look, he sees these. I'm sure they practice breakaways every now and then, or, you know, penalty shots, if you will, in practice for this very reason, to squeeze an extra point out of a game, right? And he probably sees some guys that are looking pretty good. Maybe they're getting one or two past Varley or past Sorokin and in practice, and he thinks they're feeling it, and he's like, all right, have a go, and let's see how you do. And it hasn't panned out for them, but, you know, I don't... I mean, unless, like, unless Lambert is putting out Scott Mayfield, Romanov, and, you know, pick pick your bottom six forward out as your, as your top Ross. three every shootout, I'm not really going to give Lambert a, a hard time for the three guys that he picks every time. Holmstrom is an example of 
you know, he, he's making a little bit of a reach because he's got a feel or he mm. scored in Bridgeport. Or you see those once in a while. But I do agree. You want Brock after. Yeah. Anything else, Ed? Non-shootout uh, yeah. related. Okay. <laughs> I got one. Doesn't even have to be about sports or hockey. <laughs> right. Not no, about the shootout. Right. I got one. Uh, so I think you guys were talking about uh, Engvall before and mm. what his options will bit. be. Uh, so Tom wants to know, uh, do you think the Islanders can sign Engvall or will he walk this summer? Well, they can sign him. They, they mm. kind of—it's going to be their obligation. I think he's getting a little bit of a tryout. Lou probably has an idea of of extending him by a year or so. I think the best thing you could do, as um, as our guest uh, Adam had mentioned earlier, is just give him a one or two year contract. Ideally, I think you just give him a one and see and see what he could do. There's no reason to go real long term with him, even if you think you're going to get him cheap on the dollar. I'd just go one year. Two-year max, we know it's Lou. He might go more. Um, but do I think he'll be on the team next year? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so one interesting thing that stood out to me was when they traded for Horvat and Lou was asked the question, oh, yes, absolutely, we want to sign mm-hmm. him, no question about it. And then he was asked a similar question when he brought in Engvall. And he said, yeah, we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a trial. See if he fits in, see if... You know, he, he meshes with this team and he sees a, a longer-term role with the team. I think he's open to it. And if he, and if he does, you know, slot in nicely, yeah, he'll get, a, he get a, he'll get a year or two. If not, thanks for your service and move on. Yeah, and on the answer on Harvat, he knew, even though he might pretend to not read the clips, right. he's well aware of what people are saying and writing about it. Uh, and he probably even, when he said it, he might have had an, a, somewhat of an agreement or an understanding mm-hmm. in, in place with Pat Morris as to what it was going to cost. So, Okay. Ed, one, maybe two more, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. I believe I touched base on every single oh, question. We appreciate everybody participating. Yeah, absolutely. Good session. Well, with that, Ed, you know what to do. Yes, I do. I pressed the button. <laughs> That's why you're here, buddy. All right, folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers later on. I want to send a huge, huge thanks out to Billy Jaffe and Adam Proto for joining us here tonight. Two great guests with some great, great stuff. And, of course, a huge thanks to our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. Big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com as well. And we've been having a great time over there, and there will be more fun to come. We'll let you guys know about that soon. And a big, big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check them out at mainstboardgamecafe.com. Chris Botta, let's remind everybody, where can we find you on social media? At Chris Botta NHL. You can find me at Shawnee Hockey on Twitter. You can find the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, folks, remember, if you like what we're doing here, tell your Islander fan friends and tell your tell your uh, Ranger fan friends too, just for, for shits and giggles. But tell everybody, spread the word, throw some reviews out there, rate, review, subscribe on Twitch, on YouTube on your favorite podcast provider. Please, please, please spread the word for Chris Botta, for Jay, for Ed. My name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We will see you next week.